What's up, everybody? Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Swiss Sports Show. It's Rich here, and we have a, a great episode. We are finally down to the last four teams left in the playoffs. Now, before I even get into it, uh, I did forget to promote my last episode, which was on the Dallas Mavericks imploding a little bit, as well as the Celtics Kemba Walker trade. So if you guys have some time, I would absolutely love for you guys to check that out. And we also talked about Zion reportedly being unhappy with New Orleans. Now, we are here. There's four teams left, and it has been maybe the most exciting playoff for me in a long time. I know that there's a group of people that it's mainly like the, the mainstream media, if you will, that, that's complaining about how this finals doesn't feature a LeBron, a KD, a Steph Curry, um, a Luka, for example. Guys that are clear in front, like the top jersey selling players in the league, the clear in front faces of basketball today. And I think that's that's great, honestly. No disrespect to any of those players, but this is how you grow the game. Like, I think the biggest complaint about people in the NBA is the lack of parity. And what do we have today? We have four teams that either A, haven't won a championship in over 50 years, or B, just have never won a championship. And that is the beauty of the game today. We have just four amazing situations. And although I like Brooklyn a lot, contrary to what I feel like everyone thinks, because I do like Kevin Durant, I like Kyrie Irving, I like James Harden, they got eliminated. And frankly, now I have no idea what to say about who's going to win the finals. But today's not going to even be about the finals. It's about predicting the conference finals. So last game, of course, we had a beautiful game seven where my Atlanta Hawks won a game seven on the road. The first time in franchise history that that's happened. Only the second time the Hawks have been in the Eastern Conference finals. Uh, The last one is back in 2014 when we had that 61 team and although the Hawks have a ring it's technically under the St. Louis branch so um, I wouldn't really consider that you know part of the deal so anyway I mean I guess let's start with the game seven. First off I I was so worried about this game you know I figured game six was our best opportunity to win it all or like win win the series and When we lost that, I just had no hope that we would go into Philadelphia and win again. And that is absolutely astounding. I mean, to do that, especially when Trey Young wasn't even playing well, you know, from a scoring perspective, his passing was still fantastic as it always is. But if you would have told me that we would have won a game seven on the road and Trey Young was struggling, I would have, you know, I would have thought you were talking about 2K or something. It's absolutely improbable the growth this Hawks team has showed from one year to the next and you know with all due respect to Phoenix we didn't have a Chris Paul come in you know we added Bogdan Bogdanovich we added Danilo Gallinari and we shook up the bench a little bit we've dealt with plenty of injuries you know all season long and even now with DeAndre Hunter and and Cam Reddish being out and it's just it's so improbable that the Hawks were actually going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals amidst that, uh, especially when the Sixers had Embiid playing, which if you guys remember from my last predictions, I said if 
if Embiid was playing for the Sixers, I didn't think we'd like the Atlanta Hawks would make it past five games, which ultimately they beat them in seven. So yeah, I, I've really I'm at a loss for words as it comes to that. I, I I feel bad, you know, I can't give you that superb analysis or whatever, but I truly am just shocked at what this Atlanta team's accomplished. Uh, Kevin Herter, man, stepping up huge in the biggest moment. And it's interesting, you know, I remember in his rookie year, Kevin Herter did have a, a game winner against Philadelphia. And it felt like he's always kind of had good regular season performances against Philadelphia. But for him to do what he did in, in the game seven was just absurd. And, and I feel a little bit bad for Ben Simmons, you know. I don't like seeing a player get slandered a lot. You know, at first it's kind of funny because it's like, yo, how are you, you know, doing this poorly? But, man, I don't know. He needs to go get his mentals checked out. Um, it's just disappointing as far as I'm not even a Sixers fan. And Ben Simmons is just frustrating to watch because, you know, the gifts, the talents are there. But there's just no putting the talents to use. But I, I do want to, you know, maintain a positive note. The Atlanta Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals, man. Who would have thought? I predicted the Knicks to beat them. I predicted the Sixers to beat them. And while I do enjoy this, and believe me when I say this is not an act. Everything that I predict, this isn't some act to kind of act like the underdog, act like this humble person. Everything that I've predicted just kind of goes with the data matchups I review as it relates to, you know, team data, their statistics, as well as individual matchup data, which is why, unfortunately, I am going to predict uh, uh, the Bucks to win here. I would give it five games again, six if we can get Cam Reddish back. But this is going to be a very tough matchup. I think Drew Holiday probably presents the toughest individual one-on-one -on -one matchup for Ben Simmons. I mean, uh, not Ben Simmons, uh, Trey Young. The thing with Ben and, and Tybal and uh, for one game Danny Green on Trey is that Trey had the speed and the kind of burst to kind of get by them. And while Trey is much more athletic than Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday is a fantastic high IQ defender who also just has superb footwork. And I think he's really going to cause some problems for Trey, uh, being that Drew is also a much bigger defender. But again... We've seen time and time again Trey just really knock off or still play up to par against any sort of defense that's been thrown his way. And Trey has reached the level where even when he's not scoring, he's just affecting the game so positively. And that's always kind of been the case. But, you know, like I said, the Atlanta Hawks were always a winning team. So for him to do that on the big stage um, is superb. And I do think, you know, he'll put up his performances, but Drew Holiday will definitely come up with some big plays uh, on the defensive side of the court. My issue, again, with Atlanta is the fact that we don't really have anyone to stick Chris Middleton. Now, I've been a pretty big critic of Chris Middleton because of past playoff underperformances. But, and and this year is, is almost no difference. He's had a lot of duds. But when in Milwaukee... Chris Middleton has absolutely shot the lights out. You know, he lives up to, to the expectations of uh, a max player, someone that shoots 50, 40, 90 in the regular season on a consistent basis. 
And for him to do this on the big stage now, after all these years, is massive for Milwaukee. And the thing with Atlanta is unless we get Reddish back, we don't have a defender that can truly limit him. Now, I do think Kevin Herters make great strides on defense. You know, Nate McMillan has him playing very tough, uh, using more of that size. You know, he is a, a rather big kind of guard at 6'7". And at times, you know, he doesn't use that size. But like I just said, McMillan has him playing a lot more aggressive but disciplined at the same time, which I think is huge. But aside from Herter, you know, the people that are likely going to be covering him are a Tony Snell and a Solomon Hill. And, you know, all due respect to those guys, they're just not great on the defensive end. I think, you know, Tony Snell is good at occasionally getting in the passing lanes, creating some level of shot contest, but still not an overall good defender. Solomon Hill is more of like a, a tough guy for the team, if you will, but he overall is still also not a great defender. So that that's going to be a big problem for us to deal with. Uh, and, and then Giannis, man. Like Giannis, Giannis, like while, you know, we let Embiid go off and in the end it worked out for us because we, we tried to make the other people beat us. And Toby and Ben really couldn't get the job done despite, you know, Embiid having consistent dominant performances. And I think that's going to continue. The thing with Giannis is we don't have anybody that could really keep up with that speed um, and length inside the paint. Like, Capella had a tough time staying in front of Embiid at times. I only think that's going to get tougher as it relates to Giannis, um, given that he's such a athletic freak, the Greek freak, if you will. But at the same time, you know, John Collins has taken strides in his help defense, and his presence is going to be huge, on obviously, on both ends of the court. Um, John Collins is very interesting, man. He He's someone that has had multiple slow starts, uh, in these games, in these playoff games, but he also has massive plays in, in the second halves that have really changed the momentum for us and given us some, given us some light, given the Hawks some life uh, in each of their battles. So I think he's going to be massive for uh, attempting to contain Giannis, if you will, because I don't think we'll necessarily stop him. If we can force Giannis to uh, be more of a jump shooter, then that would be a massive help for us. Now, again, that being said, I, I still don't think it happens because I think Milwaukee is underrated for having a very deep bench. But it all comes down to whether Budenholzer is going to use that bench. We saw in the Miami series how dominant Bryn Forbes can be as a spot-up shooter uh, and really coming off screens, but we didn't see much of him against Brooklyn, which is kind of concerning to me. I wasn't sure why Thanasis and Elijah Bryant were getting legitimate playoff minutes as opposed to Bobby Portis, who was almost entirely out of the rotation, and Bryn Forbes, uh, who is not as big a presence as uh, I'd like to think he can be. That being said, I think Milwaukee's goal in this playoff is going to be to keep up with us on offense rather than commit to sending all these defenders because I said before last series, Milwaukee has the offensive potential to keep up with anybody. So, again, I do believe, you know, we'll see less Thanasis, less Elijah Bryant, more Bobby Portis, and more um, Brent Forbes. So, with that, you know, like I said, I will take the Bucks in five. 
Uh, six if we can get Cam Reddish back because Cam Reddish provides a massive boost to the Hawks defense. And yeah, you know, nonetheless, I hope the Hawks prove me wrong. I hope, you know, we, we make a finals, but nonetheless, I'm very, very satisfied with what the Hawks have done this season. There was only two out of 15 people that predicted the Hawks to beat the Knicks in the first round as far as media members go. There was only two out of 13 people that predicted the Hawks to beat the Sixers in the second round. And I'm assuming that trend may or may not continue. Maybe we'll get a little bit more love uh, going forward, but it is hard to it's hard to pick anybody against the Bucks. And from speaking from the Bucks perspective, I mean, this is your year. This is your kind of easiest chance to win the ring at this point. You know, Brooklyn's out of the way. There's no Lakers to deal with. Kawhi's probably, I, I'm going to say probably not coming back for the rest of these playoffs. And, you know, Phoenix, despite having a great team, I think the Bucks' experience would outweigh that. Uh, but I think that would be a great matchup if it were to happen. So that's all I have for the Bucks. Let's move on to the next matchup. And one game has already been concluded. Um... But my prediction is not going to go, like, it hasn't changed just because of Game 1 because I picked the Suns to win Game 1 regardless because of the fact that, you know, the Clippers were coming off a lack of rest. And I just thought, you know, the Clippers don't really come into the series strong. They usually kind of take their shots and then then they respond, right? They've gone 0-2 in each of the series so far and then come back to win it. And the last win was a masterclass, a 25-point comeback to slam the door on the Utah Jazz and win four straight against them. It's absolutely absurd. And I really didn't think that they had a shot after Kawhi went down, but I'll give credit where credit is due. Paul George stepped up big time. And, you know, all those people that, you know, have made fun of him, have, you know, called him Pandemic P., as opposed to the nickname he gave himself, Playoff P. Um, he's living up to that Playoff P nickname he set for himself. If he can carry the Clippers to the NBA Finals, there has to be some discussion about how we look at Paul George as far as you know an all-time wing player and also just what we think of him in the league as a current standing. Because he, he's playing out of his mind right now, very smart. Uh, he did make a couple bad decisions down the stretch in the Suns game, but I think he kind of took it upon himself to to carry them and keep them in it, which, again, is what a superstar is supposed to do, so I don't fault him for that decision. That being said, let's get into the prediction. Um, I, I do have the Suns in five. I mean, sorry, I have the Suns in six. I'll give them six games because I do think... The Clippers are going to bounce back. I assume they're going to go down 0-2. I don't see them winning a game in Phoenix. Um, but this Clippers team has a lot of fight to it. Reggie Jackson has, for whatever reason, decided to perform like a, an NBA star, which is absolutely absurd to think about. Uh, Marcus Morris has stepped up big time. Terrence Mann, ever since Terrence Mann made that costly mistake at the end of uh, one of the Dallas games that put them down 3-2 where he passed up a, a game-winning layup. He has just done exceptional. And this is, I, I believed in Terrence Mann. I've said before he's he can be the Clippers' most important role player. 
just because of the way he defends. But for his offense to be this important to this team, uh, I think is huge. And despite that, though, I just think the Suns are a really bad matchup for the Clippers just because, one, they don't have anyone that can stop DeAndre Ayton. And DeAndre Ayton might not even matter if you can't stop Devin Booker, and that's exactly what we saw in Game 1 as Booker got his first career triple-double in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals, which is absolutely absurd. I thought Booker for sure had a... um, a, a triple double before this but this this is like the best time you could possibly get it man um anyway going back to the main point the suns if they can't stop devin booker who for one i just want to take a brief moment to talk about booker booker's growth since coming into the league as a lottery pick late lottery pick has been absolutely absurd and i'll give him unreal props i mean this guy came in was a volume score and nothing much else. You know, he, he was known for, he was labeled as someone that doesn't play winning basketball. Then you started to see more kind of put together. He went from more of a shooter to someone that has a diversified offensive game. After he got that diversified offensive game, he picked up on his playmaking yet. Playmaking was still a little bit sloppy. Some passes seemed forced at times, but you saw the growth happening there then his defense has picked up. You know, he's he was labeled as a bad defender early, but he has shown some grit and toughness that I didn't realize that Devin Booker possessed. And finally, his playmaking has reached a masterclass level. I think being next to Chris Paul has really taught him poise and, and really upped his overall on-court intelligence. He makes reads that, you know, you would have never thought Devin Booker could have made a couple years ago and for him to take this leap into a full-blown superstar is massive for the city of phoenix you know a team that once was considered one of the worst franchises in the nba and it was like a lock that devin booker would supposedly leave one day and now phoenix is a legit nba team that has the chance to only get better i mean chris paul has shown no real signs of uh declining in the moment and next to him is Devin Booker, who's gotten much better, has rose into a superstar. Mikhail Bridges, who's taken leaps and bounds this year in his offensive game while already being a great defender. And DeAndre Ayton, who I think, you know, people said they were disappointed by in the regular season. But for one, he's upped his defensive IQ and he's taken his offensive aggressiveness to a whole new level that we have not seen in the past. And that is just massive for the city of Phoenix and these Phoenix Suns that are just so, so amazing to watch. The ball movement, the fluidity of every single offensive play has just been great. They get a ton of good shots. You know, these are players with a chip on their shoulder. You know, Jay Crowder campaign, who was literally playing in a, in a Russian basketball league a couple years ago. Now he's a, a significant, significant role player for this Phoenix team. Among others, you know, Dario Saric, whatever, whoever you want to name on this Suns team, um, it just seems to play with so much poise, but also this, this unreal amount of determination for a young team that we have not seen uh, in a while, I feel like. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking the Suns in five or six, leaning towards six, because I do think the Clippers have some fight to them. 
especially when they go down 0-2. I think the Clippers will lose one at home, uh, but they'll also win one at home. They'll win game three, lose game four. So it'll be one and three. And then I think the Clippers will manage to steal one game five in Phoenix. And then they lose in L.A., which is unfortunate. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, getting this far, um, getting to a game six with no Kawhi Leonard, I think that's a win in my book. But yeah, so my official prediction for the finals matchup is the Suns versus the Bucks. And we'll see if that happens. You know, obviously I'm rooting for a Hawks versus Suns final. Um, but yeah, and we'll talk about the finals matchup when it gets here. You know, but just a shot out there, I guess. I would take the... Nah, I can't even do that, honestly. I would really have to sit down and think about it. Um, but yeah. Those are just my easy conference predictions, uh, just conference final predictions, and that's really all I wanted to get out today. And yeah, I mean, let's let's watch some great basketball. I think these this last round was so much fun, and I hope it continues this way. I hope we have some great series uh, between the Suns, Clippers, and the Bucks, Hawks, and may the best teams meet in the finals. All right, I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their day. I will talk to you guys soon. And that's all for today, guys.